Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? It's Christine with Liberty 101. Uh, welcome to our show tonight. Uh, we have some fantastic guests tonight. Uh, two friends from right here in the York Adams area in Pennsylvania. Um, we are going to be talking about agriculture. So I'm going to bring them on and then we will do all of the uh, ads and what have you. We've got Nicole. Let's change this layout. And we've got Grant. Hey, guys. How are you? Awesome. Good. <laughs> um, well, I am going to do the ads real quick, and then we'll jump in here, and we'll get the conversation started. Sound good? Oh, sounds good. So, uh, leading Libertarians Veteran Issues, leading Veterans Libertarian Solutions, Libertarian Veterans Caucus, People Over Politics, James Toller for Kentucky, donate today at Toller. 4KY.com. T-O-L-L-E-R, the number 4KY.com. Chris By for Alaska's congressman. You learn more at www.itstimealaska.com. And as always, you can find us on all of these different platforms, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So how are you guys? You good? Good. It's, it's uh, cold and snowing. It's snowing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, that that should not be happening towards the end of April. That just it shouldn't. No, not after Easter. It's just no. I mean, it's what it's a nor'easter. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I mean, at least yeah. the name is kind of fitting, but or it's just Mother Nature just reminding us today sucks because it's tax day. That's true. That too. That too. That's why she's having her own little conniption. Yes. Temper tantrum. <laughs> so I would love to hear your stories, how you guys got to Liberty Movement, how you got, um, how you're involved in the agricultural scene. Um, and then I would love to talk about some stuff that we see as challenge that you guys see as challenges in, in agriculture that you see with farmers and different things. I know Nicole, I've heard you talk many times about like milk tax and everything like that. So, I just, I am real novice in this area, guys. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm excited to hear a little bit more and get some more insight. I did a little research coming into today's podcast and didn't know that some of this stuff happened this past weekend. So ladies first, Nicole, will you tell us about you and how you got here? So <laughs> um, I became a libertarian in December of 2022. And I actually... Um, joined the libertarian party in december no no it was november wasn't it it was november of 20 2020 and um christine tucked me into it i had voted libertarian in a lot of um um primaries and general elections before that and not primaries we don't vote in primaries but in the general election i voted for libertarians um i voted for joe and spike um, I voted before that too with, uh, Gary Johnson voted for him. Um, I've always been libertarian leaning my entire life. Um, I don't, don't follow my family's politics. That's for sure. Um, I'm the oddball in them. They are all staunch Democrats, staunch Republicans. And I'm over here going, yeah, none of that makes sense. Um, so Christine brought me into the party. Um, I ran for the nomination for Lieutenant Governor. Um, we had convention in March. Um, 
let's just say after convention, I am no longer a libertarian. I am now part of the Keystone Party. I am actually the one that filled out all the paperwork for the Keystone Party for the IRS and for the state. Um, so I am one of the founding members of the Keystone Party. And while we are still all libertarian leaning, we don't like the way the Libertarian Party is headed. So we started something new. And then my agricultural experience, I own a farm. Um, we actually bought a horse farm and we turned it into an orchard. Um, we actually, um, when we first moved here, there was apple trees and pear trees and mulberries. So uh, when that started growing and I grew up in a very large family and my mom always canned everything and we never wasted any food because large families, you can't waste food. So when I saw the fruit growing and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I started doing um, different things like with the apples. I made apple butter, apple pie jam. I canned apples for apple pie, for apple crisp. You name it, I was canning it. Um, it got to the point where my husband's like, what are we doing with all of this stuff? Because it's only two of us. We can't eat it all. And I've pawned off enough on my daughter. Um, so... <laughs> And my friends, like I had friends coming over and they would just raid the storeroom, you know, because there's beets, there's you name it. I have it. So spaghetti sauce. So everybody would just come raid. And as long as they gave me my jars back, I was happy. Um, and then we turn, started turning it into a business. Um, so now we own Ugly Acres. Um, we named the farm Ugly Acres when we first bought it because it was just ugly. Um so we have 47 flavors of jams and jellies and we have apple butter and we'll do pumpkin butter and peach butter, stuff like that. We also have fudge and toffees and peanut brittle and cashew brittle. So I kind of have a little bit of everything. Okay. We got a whole scoop from Nicole. Thank you for that. Hey, Grant, how about you? Hey, Christine. So yeah, I'm Grant. Um, I, it's kind of interesting. I was listening to Nicole's story and it seems, you know, she got into the libertarian movement, but she grew up agriculture or agricultural. I'm kind of the other way around. So my dad um, was always, it was a libertarian for a long time. I mean, he was, uh, um, he went through a hippie phase, but he, you know, he was kind of a denialican and, um, you know, he never really liked the Republican party. He was really, I mean, he, he was opposed to the war in Vietnam and he knew that Iraq was going to be a disaster and he was just prescient in that. Um, so I, I always looked to him for political inspiration, but I arrived at my own conclusions. And, um, yeah, I'm not saying I tried on a lot of different things, but, uh, you know, I really got involved or interested um, with, you know, Ron Paul and his run in, um, you know, two mostly 2012. I was pre pretty young in 2008 to really know what was going on. But 2012, um, you know, I followed the Republican primaries and I went to uh, see Ron Paul in, in Philadelphia and it was raining and it was, I mean, Romney had the primaries locked up at that point, but it was just kind of, we, we were just standing there in the rain. It was kind of day like this. It was, it was awesome. Uh, my, I'm, I'm thinking I it was warmer. <laughs> I, it was it was pretty. I don't think it was snowing, but it was. I remember him saying, "There's no fair weather patriots out here," and we were like, "Yeah." And um, 
it was just wild, uh, wild time. Um, and so then I was in college and, um, you know, I always like rooted for the libertarian and I, uh, I would write articles in the school. I went to Messiah college. I wrote articles in the paper for Gary Johnson. Um, still to today, think he's a good candidate and, uh, a little awkward. Uh, I just don't really know why people knock him as much as they do. Um, uh, and you know, that then, um, I, I guess the first involvement with the LP was, uh, would have been early 2016. Uh, dad and I went to hear the, 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 the presidential candidate speak, um, at the Renaissance at the LPPA convention, um, in, in Philly. And, um, man, 2016 was such a, it really, I think, uh, degraded a lot of political discourse in the country and we'll probably never recover from that. Um, but after 2016, I was like, I got to do something. And I sincerely believed that the libertarian was uh, the libertarian party was a good vehicle to advance liberty. And it was the only tolerable political party. I couldn't vote for the lesser of two mm -hmm. evils. I didn't, I wasn't going to compromise with, uh, with principle. It was a party of principle. Um, so I got uh, involved. Um, Christine and I were involved with the, the local York party. It was kind of a, a disaster. Um, it's an understatement. It, yeah. <laughs> It was kind of this, I see us going back this way. It was kind of this weird Game of Thrones game. And um, I'm, you know, there was people vying for the title and, and uh, you know, we wanted to have our county party have better relations with the state party. I did not understand why there was a falling out and there was a riff and there they, I don't like state. Well, why wouldn't you like state? I mean, we've all got to cooperate. Yep. Um, but now we've just. For a couple of years, it was good. So the peak, my peak involvement was like 2017 and 2018. Um, there was a a group called uh, Central PA Freedom Forum I was involved with. Um, they really radicalized me. And so it kind of like, if your dad's a libertarian, how do you rebel against your libertarian father? Well, you become an anarchist. It's quite obvious. That's what you do. That's the only, uh, that's yeah. the only room you have to go. So um, I did that to kind of torture him. Um, sorry, Dad. And, um, <laughs> but you know, I I I I I still admire uh, you know the 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 principles are solid. They don't they're uncompromising. Um, but when it comes to uh, elections, uh, you have to be pragmatic to some extent um, if you're going to. If you're in a political party, yeah, you know, you have to run candidates and you you want to change things through the parliamentary process or the democratic process. Um, and I'm kind of fed up with that. Uh, so agriculture, my involvement with agriculture is, um, again, I'm, I'm new to agriculture. I, I have a chip on my shoulder when it comes to libertarianism, but um, I'm I'm new to agriculture. My wife and I wanted to uh, get away from, we both grew up in the suburbs. She's originally from Maryland. Um, you know, I was from York and we moved, uh, west to Adams County, um, to a town called Aspers. Um, and it's very small. Um, and it's in the main, they call it the, the fruit belt 
Uh, we have a lot of orchards out here. We have a good microclimate to grow um, apple trees. And Pennsylvania is one of the top producers for apples um, behind uh, Washington. I don't know if New York State edges us out, but we, we have uh, pretty good conditions for apples and other uh, orchard fruits, uh, like Nicole was saying. Um, but being in agriculture, I wouldn't say we're a commercial farm, but I got involved with uh, some friends uh, in the Liberty Movement um, uh, uh, an organization called um, um, Liberate RVA. And uh, they, uh, I talked at their at a function about um, uh, homesteading and prepping and the, the similarities and differences between them. And they're very much steeped in the, the libertarian tradition. And um, I see myself more as a homesteader as a, than a prepper, but there's there's a tremendous amount of overlap. I mean, if you're a homesteader, you're you can prep for the worst, um, and if you're a prepper, then you know you you have the skills uh, to be self sufficient. Um, the only difference between a prepper and a homesteader is a prepper doesn't always know how to grow their own food. They know how to forage and get it, but they don't always know how to grow it. That that is that is true, and. Christine, I don't know where you want to take the conversation <laughs> in terms of small scale farms or home homesteading, or if you want to go more like agricultural policy, um, so, it's kind of oxymoron contradiction in terms. But there, I mean, when I was again completely new, I'm a I'm a suburbs girl, 100%. Went to my grandfather's cabin is probably the most outdoorsy out in the boondocks you would find Christine. Um, I think you should hold a baby chicken, though. I don't want to hold a baby chicken. Anyway, um, so I went on and I was trying to look up some up like some news stuff in the agricultural world. And I don't know if you guys know anything about this, but I think that this is like a good topic to go into, you know, like farms being taken over and, and the benefit of having family farms and stuff. But um, this past week, I guess, PA invested $9.7 million to protect 40 farms in 19 counties in the state of Pennsylvania from development. Wait, and what's the math on that again? <laughs> $9.7 million. So basically the government bought those farms to keep them farms. And then these people are either getting paid to not farm it or it's going to a commercial farmer and they're farming for like Walmart and I, the I also, grocery stores. Yeah. And I also wanted to point this out because I know where all three of us live and Adams and York County are two of the counties out of the 19 counties that were included in, you know, where these farms were located that were part of this like save that the state did. Um, and it equaled about 3,500 acres of farmland. And I just thought that that was interesting. And I thought that that's kind of like government, you know, that is inserting, inserting their lives <laughs> into a so, lot more. So, my family has acreage along the Susquehanna River and um, in Muncie. Um, and they, 
when my grandfather died, um, they farmed it for a little while, but then the government came in and said, we want to protect your land. We'll pay you to not farm. <laughs> Grant. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, a lot of farmers do that because they farming is hard. I'm not going to, it's, it's hard. It's hard work. Um, you have a bad crop year, it can ruin you. Um, right now we have a farm in Lancaster, um, a, um, a chicken farm in Lancaster that they just euthanized 1.4 million birds. 1.4 million birds. That is going to affect the egg market here like within days. Eggs are going to go up to at least 5 to $6 a dozen. That's why well, you homestead. That's why you homestead. homestead. Well, and what's because the there? avian flu. I was just going to yep. say they just they I just saw flu. a thing. They had there's... one. They had one bird get sick. They sent that one bird off to get tested, and it came back the avian flu. So they went in and they euthanized all of those chickens. And here's the horrible part of that: they close up the building, they smoke the building with chemicals, kill all the birds, wait two days, and then somebody's got to go in and open up every single cage and pull those birds out. And then they destroy the birds. Who wants that job? Not me. I was, I was gonna say, that was the other story that I'd seen. I was just going to try and connect the two, you know, as you just did, that the like literally two days after the PA invested all this money. They, they got the avian flu in Lancaster. And killed off 1.4 million chickens. And now I have to worry because now avian flu is one County over. Yeah. Crider farms where this happened. And I know they haven't mentioned the name, but I'm pretty sure it's Crider farms. Um, they are less than Exclusive. 35. Huh? Exclusive break on Liberty one Oh one. The name of the farm. They're, they're less than 35, 35 minutes from my house. My chicken's free range, so I have to be careful. They don't know how it got into the buildings, but I'm pretty sure that somebody probably wasn't paying attention to the biohazard, and they either walked in without changing their shoes or, you know, a truck brought it in. There are so many different ways to bring this in. Yeah. So so if, if I had to guess... Also, any avian creature can carry this. Right. A robin if, could have showed up at this farm. Yeah. And, and then. But if yeah. I have, to, if I had to take a guess, I'm thinking somebody, somebody walked through something without, and they didn't change their food. Or they didn't change their shoes or maybe somebody went to go get hatchlings and brought it on the property. It, I, those buildings are pretty secure so i'm not sure how a bird would have gotten in there but i haven't actually um looked at the farm i know they have some newer buildings and they might have some older buildings so it's possible and it started in one of the older buildings who knows um but yeah so that that will affect the prices i am glad i have backyard chickens and i actually today went and bought 10 more chicks I found that in article interesting because Easter weekend and you know, what's the standard thing that everyone does on Easter weekend is paint eggs. And so like tip, you know, I don't eat hard boiled eggs. So like 
they usually go to waste in my house. So, but I'm thinking about all, yeah, don't give me that face, either of you. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about all the eggs that were just purchased and hard boiled just to paint. And now they're, and now we've got, we're going to have even more scarce, you know, scarcity, um, when it comes to eggs and it's just, it's crazy. And it's crazy how like the government can just like control what they obviously want to control. And we just kind of have to lay down to it because they are the power that be. And so like, I, what are some other government overreaches? And just for the record, I know we could probably spend days talking about all of this. So I want to put it out there already that if whatever co topics we don't get to that you guys would love to talk about, I'd love to have you guys back on just because today's episode is going to be a little shorter because of the fundraiser after this. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like hemp and, and, uh, food and plants and animals. There's a ton of stuff in the agricultural world that we could talk about. And I don't want to feel like we're rushed into having multiple conversations tonight. So if you guys would be open coming back later to talk on some other subjects, I would love to have you both. Um, but like homesteading, Grant, you were talking about that. And um, I know a little bit, but I don't know much. Um, and so if you could talk about that and go in a little bit more. I'd love to know more. And I'm sure like, um, I know we didn't talk about this really at the beginning, but the show point of the show here is to bring people to the basics, basics of topics and allow them to kind of build their own kind of opinion on it and then define the Liberty solutions to these problems that are currently being had by farmers in this case, or the LGBTQ when it comes to like those issues. Um, I want to be like, I want this podcast to have like a foundation where it helps people to grow their opinions. So having that information about what homesteading is in this case and pre versus prepping and like why they're beneficial and what have you are definitely going to be good topics to, to go off of. So if you could, I would love for you to. Yeah. So one of the, like the buzzwords are like, what's trending in the libertarian community is like decentralized everything. Right. Okay. But people are overlooking the most important thing you can decentralize is where you get your food from. Um, you'll have, to, you have to understand that uh, the libertarian perspective, or at least, you know, libertarianism doesn't dictate any cultural preferences. So, you know, if you watch parks and recreation, um, Ron Swanson has a quote, if you want to eat garbage and balloon up to 500 pounds, um, you can. That's a beautiful thing to him, um, the, the freedom to do that. Um, so we need to be able to, to, you know, we have this on food security on one side to be able to feed a lot of people. You know, there was um, Thomas Malthus who in the you know, the late 1700s and 1800s was wringing his hands and like, oh, we're going to run out of food. We're going to reach carrying capacity on planet Earth. And then, you know, everyone's going to be sickly and it's going to be like the deer in Shenandoah National Park where they're just kind of subsisting barely. And they're they're, You know, everyone would be really sick and, and hungry all the time. But um, we invented tractors and fertilizers and um, all these other, you know, and Farming became, you know, agribusiness. Um, and that came with consequences, though. Um, for one, uh, and this should appeal to 
libertarians is that the 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 food supply became a lot more centralized. Um, so ConAgra, again, this isn't a bad thing. You know, they, you know, it's capitalism to some extent, but also, you know, they get handouts. We we just barely touched the surface of agricultural subsidies. Um, you know, the milk marketing board that was. Ken Krawcheck uh, would would go on at length about that, and he's right. It should be done away with because that's he has a libertarian position, but that's going to kill a lot of small farms or small dairies. We need to accept that reality that that's that's what it would do. But as a result, we more and more we see the farms getting centralized into the hands of a few. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like one of these, but <laughs> seriously, like, um, but you have forces from the other way that are saying, well, this happened in my township in Butler township. They, they were going to pass this animal ordinance that says you can only have, uh, like two cats and two dogs, uh, no livestock, no, no goats, no sheep, no cows, no horses, uh, unless you had X amount of acres. People were furious. These people didn't even, they didn't know the community. They didn't know what, how important that is to this area. And so all the 4-H people and the rednecks and the hippies <laughs> and myself included, um, you know, we like they all converge and they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. And this is going to hurt so many families. And, and the ultimate food security is being able to grow it or slaughter it or hunt it yourself. And that's, that's true freedom. That's freedom in, in, in some sense. Yes. You know, people should be able to monoculture acres and acres and acres of soy and corn if, if that's what they want to do. Um, but they shouldn't get a dime from taxpayer dollars to do so to prop up the price. I mean, a couple of years ago, like it, it would make, it was more money to leave a field fallow than it was to plant soybeans um, because, because of all the tariffs in place. And now the prices of everything are just skyrocketing because of bad monetary policy and giving people free money and um, killing chickens uh, because one bird got the, the flu. I've done a lot of reading. Um, uh, he spoke at the RVA, a Liberate RVA event, uh, Joel Salatin. Um, he has some views I don't uh, agree with, but... Um, and he's a big enough guy that he would understand that uh, we can respectfully disagree in some ways, but brilliant guy. Um, and he, ta he talks about regenerative farming and he calls the USDA, the US duh, because <laughs> like, we know how to grow food. Like, you know, we can, we can feed ourselves and we can, you know, the, the stuff that they say is USDA approved is, um, not always the best for your body, but that's your choice to eat it if you want to. But we should have other options. Right. But, but the the smaller farms should not be subjected to rigorous. Well, you need the, a hand washing station. Uh, you know, at least twelve hand washing stations here, and the door has to be this wide. And uh, well, if you do it with this many birds, it's okay. But you know, you add one more bird, and then now we got to. You know, it's just the problem with the USDA certification, though, is. Um, when when they go for the certifications it's area wide it's not farm by farm so you could have a crappy farm in the middle of all of these um 
other farms who, you know, have great cattle or have, you know, their dairy is beyond par. And then all of a sudden you got this one crappy one. They're getting a grade A too, just because they're in that area. It has nothing to do with the farm. But then if you have two or three farms that go below their qualifications, then even those good farms are now labeled less than grade A because they're in that area. So even the way they grade them, huh? No farm left behind. No farm left behind. Even the way they grade them isn't, isn't fair to some farmers, you know, because you have, let's say you have 20, 20 head of cattle and you've got, you take care of your cattle. You know, the vet comes in. I think they, a vet is supposed to come in like every six months, check them out. You, so you're doing all of the proper po- protocol and everything. You got the farmer down the road who doesn't. They drop your grade aid rating. Now you've got cattle that you can't get rid of because nobody wants to buy your cattle because it's not, it's not grade A because the state says it isn't or the government says it isn't. That, that's not, that's not right. Wasn't well, it, isn't it kind of like that with organic stuff? Like, um, where you have to pay the government basically to put that label on it to say it's organic, even though it is technically organic. It's easier to use pesticides and um, fertilizer on your farm than it is to be organic. Um, You have some protocols that you have to watch when you're using pesticides or fertilizers. Um, But when it comes to organic, they have to come out to your farm. Your farm can't be this much, this close to another farm who uses pesticides or fertilizers. Even like if my next door neighbor, like I don't use anything on my farm, but if my next door neighbor uses true green to come out and do his lawn, I can't be certified organic because those chemicals are in the yard right beside me. So we don't use anything on our farm. We don't use any fertilizers, any pesticides. That's what I have the chickens for. Chickens eat the bugs. Rain waters it. I do nothing. I plant it. I go out and pick it. That's it. I don't even weed half the time. That's why it's so ugly here. I, <laughs> I just don't weed. I don't have time for it. I'm, you know, um, so, but if I wanted to be labeled organic, I would have to go to the government. I would have to get the permit. I They would come out and check the farm. And then I have to pay a million dollar fee to be labeled organic. No, thank you. That's, that, that's just astronomical. I don't, I don't even have the words because like, I just can't fathom how that makes any sense to anybody except for the government to put more money in their pockets, which makes complete sense in that sense. Half the farms that claim that they're organic probably really aren't organic because there's three fertilizers that you're allowed to use if to be labeled organic and there's one pesticide that you can use and still be labeled organic. I guarantee you, you're, they're using them. They're not organic. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a bit of, I mean, you can come at it from a different perspective. There's, there's a, a niche, there's a role for organic. Um, it's a good thing, but like if you look at organic vegetables per acre, it's more, more fossil fuels are burned uh, than uh, non-organic. It's more maintenance. It's more being out there and weeding. And, mm-hmm. and so we're not, um, I'm oh, not a techno, I'm not a technophobe. Like I, I, yeah, I know it's anarcho Amish. It's kind of funny, but like if the technology helps me, uh, then, then you do it, you know, like, but, but if it doesn't add joy, then, you know, 
Well, another problem that we're going to run into right now is the spotted lanternfly. Um, that'll decimate my farm. It'll decimate your farm if you've got fruit out there. Yeah. And everybody in Lancaster County, it's already in the spotted lanternfly is already in Lancaster. I saw a few here on my grapevines last year at the end of the season, and I was killing everyone that I saw. But I can't let that one bug completely destroy my farm. No. Because it will. So I'm going to have to use something. And, they, you know, there's a moss that they eat that will kill them that's found on trees. But it's not like they've turned that into anything that we can spray or put out there so that we can kill off the bug. So I'm going to have to find something or use something to kill off the spotted lanternfly because it'll it'll destroy my farm. I but have I everything I has gotten into Adams County. I mean, it's like all the surrounding counties, but... I, I really am worried if that hits the fruit trees here because that that will hurt our economy. Oh, yeah. yeah. In Adams, because you guys got... Um, they have Musselmans, yeah. um, Apples. Um, who rice. else out there? Musselmans. Rice, rice um, Nows. Yes. These are big employers. I mean, these yes. employ, you know, Musselmans is Biglerville. I mean, it, yeah. Nows now, but... Well, and we do the Apple Harvest Fest out in Bigglerville every year. I'm out there every year for Apple Harvest Fest, and it's the first two weekends in October. Yep. And I, the spotted lanternfly kills off that product. There goes that event. Yeah. You know, because it's basically we're celebrating Apple Harvest, you know, for two weekends. It's like the um, Cherry Blossom Festival in D.C., but for us Pennsylvanians up here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have some big, big festivals that – are totally are formed around our agriculture and we're killing off our agriculture. Um, another so, one that we have is we have, we're number four in the nation for wine. Four in the na number, no, number seven in the nation for wine. The favorite fruit of the spotted lanternflies grapes. So with all of these, <clears throat> excuse me, these problems that we're seeing with all of this, how can we find Liberty solutions to address them? Maybe not with the spotted lantern fly because that's an invasive species that we can't, you know, we just got to kind of, um, <laughs> um, someone just told me they like my headphones. Um, <clears throat> how, you know, with some of these government overreach, and involvement where they shouldn't, you know, in my opinion, be involved. How can we, you know, what can we try and advocate for to try and make things easier in these aspects that we were talking? Most of the laws and the regulations that are holding back farmers were made years ago. They're outdated. They make no sense. Um, you mentioned the milk tax. That's just that one just blows my blows my mind. Um, and a lot of people don't know about it because they don't see it. it. It it doesn't go to the state. It goes back to the manufacturer. So it'll go to Nestle. It'll go to whoever bought the milk. Um, these laws need to be changed. We need people in there changing them and rewriting them with the farmer in mind and not the politician in mind. Because a lot of these laws 
were made because somebody has a buddy somewhere and they wanted the extra money. And, and you see it when you, when you look into the laws and when they were done and how they're done. It was still lying in somebody's pocket and not the farmers. So with that in mind, I mean, like, so we know that during COVID, and I'm not going to get into a whole COVID conversation, um, there is, we lost the Secretary of Health to the federal government, and then she was replaced with someone who has nothing to do with health, um, which just doesn't make sense during a pandemic. But when it comes to the Department of Agriculture, whether it be federal, federally or statewide, since we're all in Pennsylvania, I mean, how many of those politicians do you think are working in the or, you know, staffers are working in the Department of Agriculture who actually have experience as a farmer or as someone from the agricultural world and, you know, no firsthand knowledge or are they just people who are making rules and regulations that have no firsthand knowledge? Most of the inspectors that come out to your farm to inspect for like your cattle or your hogs or whatever it is, those inspectors have farms. Um, Yeah. Most of the ones that I've met, I have yet to meet an inspector who doesn't do something in the field that they're inspecting, which is really nice. Um, The problem is the politicians sitting in Harrisburg who don't know what farming is, um, they they probably haven't been farmers. It's possible that they have it somewhere in their lineage, but they're not farmers. They don't know. Um, and if they might have like a backyard garden or something like that, but they don't have the not big. The yeah, it's not what the do you, same. Thing. Do you do you know of anybody that works in the Department of Agriculture or anything that besides inspectors? Because that makes sense. I mean, you you wouldn't send a hairstylist to a salon to inspect it if they didn't know how to. And, you know, that makes sense. But the people making the rules, I mean, do you expect any of the people making the rules up there in the Department of Agriculture to really have you that would, experience? Grant? They should have that experience. They should have that background. I think I think Russell Redding does. Um, I, I want to say he does have some agricultural experience. It's just, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to pin this on an individual, um, but, you know, it's it's just so convoluted now. Um, you, you asked, what are the Liberty solutions? And um, I just give people options. You know, if they want to buy raw goat milk, you know, I drink it you know, we don't pasteurize it. Um, this is, this is why these are so, they're so closely entwined, you know, the, the simple subsistence homestead and, and big ag policy, they don't seem like they're that closely related, but they um, they should all be part of, of food security. But all of that is uh, is 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 swept aside. I, I feel like food security is kind is kind of a buzzword. Um, you know, emergencies are the pretext of the erosion of civil liberties. Um, so I don't know what's going to come of the the avian flu thing here on the horizon. Um, the other component, um, we, we could talk about so much, but it's <laughs> labor, uh, farm labor. Um, these, uh, if you've ever been to a dairy, it's it's very unpleasant work. It smells horrible. Um, it's twelve hour shifts. It doesn't. The cows have to be milked, whether it's um, it does. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas or or Easter or whatever. You, they have to be milked. And um, 
the food costs food costs are going to be rising, um, and we already have a labor shortage. Uh, um, so, you know, the, the expansion of of guest worker programs or or um, you know, allowing uh, immigrants to work on farms because otherwise uh, it's just though they they work for less. They send the money back to their countries and they live like royalty. It, they work hard too. Yeah. Actually, um, one of my friends who owns a farm last year was having so many problems getting help and they had migrant workers on the farm. The migrant workers refused to work for anything less than $13 an hour. A farmer can't afford that. $13 an hour for a migrant worker. That's what they wanted. I'm like, so that's... They end up paying people under the table. I mean, most of the yeah. people that work on a dairy are uh, don't have their papers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. We yeah. We wouldn't know, have any milk to drink otherwise. So. I know someone who um, her her husband was like the lead at an apple farm out in Biglerville area, Gettysburg. And one of the compensation was the house that they live in mm -hmm. so that they could be on the property so he could be there all day and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, no, she would tell us all the time about how almost every people that all the people that work on the apple farm don't have papers. Because yeah. they all get paid underneath the table because it's most cost efficient way for the, the farmer to be able to get labor without cutting too much into his the net profit. profit. Yeah. And you also have the problem, do you pay them by hour or do you pay them by piece? If you pay them by piece, they're just throwing apples in the bin and damaging apples. And if you pay them by the hour, then they're slowing down so they can make as much money as they can and producing less. So how do you fix that? What do you do then? We haven't found a solution to it. Grant, do you have an idea? Hmm. I, that's that's a new. I didn't know that there 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 was a dichotomy there. Um, yeah. Uh, balance. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I I work with. Um, my job puts me in a contact contact with a lot of migrant workers, and um, they're very they're very hard workers. Um, there's what's called. Um, if you get repeat migrant workers, you get the same yeah. group year after year after year. It's not so bad. Yeah, and but that, that paperwork should be expedited. I mean, it, you have to hire a lawyer to do this stuff, and you're looking at about ten thousand dollars to per person to bring yeah. here to work, and that's not money that's going to that individual to compensate them for their work. That's money going to a lawyer to pay them to get them here. Isn't it amazing how the agricultural topic kind of just spread into borders and immigration? And it's just interesting because, you know, everything kind of comes back to this subject, you know, when it talks to about government overreach and the FDA and USDA and things like that. And then you've got the immigration aspect and you've got, it's just interesting how I mean, obviously everything connects at some point because we're humans and we need food to eat and, you know, water and sustenances and stuff. Um, but I, we could talk about this all 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 night. Um, however, we do need to get going so that Spike and Matt can get on here to raise some money. Um, I believe it's money or some notifications. Uh, attention i don't know what it is to be honest with you i was told that spike's gonna be on and spike gets what spike wants so um would you, both of you be interested in coming back in a couple of weeks 
to talk yeah. about this a little bit more, talk more yeah. about the milk tax and all the other problems. I, I think that as we're in the spring season here and things are blooming, you don't... Levi, Nicole's <laughs> husband, says you don't pay for damaged goods. You inspect the product before they get paid. And that's one, yeah. That also costs time to yep. inspect it. So there's there's another, you know valuable thing that you'd be spending but i would love to have you back both on and maybe we could talk about another hot topic that kind of is happening at the moment because obviously the government reaches into everything and so there'll probably be another topic regarding farms or something when we meet back um but i want to thank you both do any of you have any closing thoughts before we end for the night and then recess this meeting until another day I'd like to adjourn Sindine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I hated that BS. Holy crap. I, w I just wanted to follow up before we, um, you had talked about how York was like the Game of Thrones. And I will definitely say. It's back we, there. We definitely have our own Joffreys and Ramses going mm -hmm. on right now in York. So I'll have to ask my wife what that means, but yeah, okay. Uh, they're two of the worst people <laughs> in the show. And uh, Joffrey was this child, child king who just yeah. thought he was entitled to everything. So mm. he, yeah. ends up, he ends up dying. Spoiler alert. Anyway. Um, the only thing I would say is with food prices going sky high as they are now and with um, eggs, it's going to be hard to find eggs. Or if you do find them, you're going to be looking at $6 a dozen. Get to know your local farmers. Um, and even like in the fall when we're looking at a frost and they've got all that product out there in the field, they're looking for any help they can get to get that product in. And most of the time they will either give it to you, give you some for free or they will give it to you at a discount. I know I have a lot of farmers who call me in September and October and say, hey, I've got all this stuff. Come get it. And I go out and pick it and get it. So get to know your farmers. You're going to need it. Yeah, the gleaners um, it, or SCAP uh, here in Adams County, but the gleaners are an excellent um, organization because they'll come through the orchards or fields or whatever. And um, whatever is left on the tree, maybe it wasn't ripe when the workers came through, but they'll pick that stuff and then they'll, um, and it's not always the prettiest looking stuff, but it's certainly edible. So you're, you're going to see more of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's just a great organization in your community. Um, whether you know someone that could benefit from that or you want to volunteer with the Gleaners, uh, it's a great organization. Well, thank you both for coming on tonight. I look forward to continuing this conversation in the future because I definitely learned a lot of new stuff tonight. So I appreciate it for educating me and educating the people who are watching or listening later. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, if you guys want to hang out and talk for a few minutes after we can, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up the show. So thank you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. So, guys, that was our show tonight. It's a little shorter. Again, I apologize. Um, Spike and Matt are doing something for one of the candidates that's running. So we want to make sure that they get the coverage that they need. I uh, hope you guys got educated. I know I definitely did. And I look forward to talking with Grant and Nicole later on further agricultural conversations. So this was Liberty 101. I hope you learned something because I definitely did. And I look forward to seeing you guys next Monday. Have a good night.